Welcome back, Brews and Bettys, for another week of You, Me, and MotoGP. The German leg of the season brought a lot of controversy, and our intelligence systems found multiple memes trending on the World Wide Web. We are still unsure if Marc Marquez was able to wash all the kitty litter out of his race suit, but we will let you know once we have confirmed. For up-to-date news, memes, and just general shithousing, please remember to follow us on all social media platforms. Rating us on your preferred listening platform will also go a long way in ensuring we keep our number one spot in the Motorsport Podcasts segment. Now over to our incredible human hosts. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of You, Me, and MotoGP podcast. Uh, Caleb, again, thank you for the intro. Um, Nike, maybe we should stop trolling on the Marquis brothers straight off the bat in our intro. That's maybe not the best thing to do. We should find someone else to to pick on a little, I guess. Other thing I just want to mention, guys, the Fi Theory. Thank you so much for the intro song. It's a good mate of mine, Earlart and his band. Check them out on Spotify. It's D-E-F-Y space t-h-e-o-r-y very very good south african rock band so check them out on spotify they've got some very lack of music guys nike welcome back another week more racing what did you think of the the week in germany i think it's a very calm week you know nothing wild too wild or too extra so it was just a normal week of racing yeah, I have to agree with you except for the one or two instances with mark Marquez and zolko almost running to each other at the end of pit lane and one or two other things, it, it did feel like a calm week. Notoriously, the Saxon ring is not a place where there's a lot of overtaking, so I guess we could have predicted it in a way, but yeah, a few things I want to mention straight off the bat. Do you think that it's time for a traffic light at the end of pit lane at the Saxon ring to avoid something like what happened with Zalka and Marquez, where Marquez was coming down the straight, lost the front end, was busy crashing and Marco came out, Zorka came out of the pits and got collected. Isn't the clever thing to do is to do a traffic light or like South Africans say a robot at the end of pit lane? What's your opinion on that? Yeah, it's for safety reasons. I think it would be better to do that if all the other tracks are doing the same thing, then that track should also fall a line. Yeah, I actually don't know if any others are doing it, but it's, it's, it's just a sim- simple system. Surely by now they should be doing something like that with all this health and safety rules, so definitely something that should be leaked into, in my opinion. Speaking about safety, nay, Honda, it's just, at this stage, it's so it's so difficult because you don't want to trash Honda too much or trash talk Honda too much because we need them in the MotoGP Championship, them and Yamaha, but it's so dangerous to ride that bike at this stage. I know we've briefly mentioned it once or twice before, but now it's gotten to the point where it's really, really, I want to call it unsafe. you got Alex Rins in hospital with a, broken shin and I think his upper leg or his ankle I'm not sure the, the pictures look horrific We've got Taka Nakagami that's recently almost ended his career in the last few years with hand injuries that's got another hand injury and, and Juan Mir that's also got a, hand, a broken hand Mark Marquez for those of you guys who don't know in the warm-up on Sunday morning had another massive massive high side and uh, decided to sit this one out and I have to say, I think Mark is kind of coming to his senses now because up until this stage, there's been this massive thing going on where it's Mark is either going to push the limits and try and put that bike in the front and then wreck it because that's not a front-running bike or he's going to join Fabio there mid-back in Maverick and accept that it's a 10th place bike and he's just going to cruise around there. So kind of want to look like Mark just accepted the 10th place 
cruising around in the sprint race. So, yeah, it's a difficult thing to see. Do you think Mark Marquez is just going to stay on that bike now and cruise around at the back, make sure he doesn't hurt himself until his contract's up so you can get a get on a decent bike? What's your opinion? I'm not sure. I think he'll, you know, want to still do as much as he can and finish strong. So I think he'll still want to try and push harder and maybe just think about safety and think about his way of riding. But Yeah, I have to agree with you in a sense. I don't see Mark Marquez just taking it easy. Guys, just so you know, uh, there's a reason we sound kind of somber and down. It's not because it's the German race weekend and Germans are very serious. We're actually a fun crew over here. At the point of recording this podcast, we haven't heard whether Brad Binder is okay yet. So Brad Binder had a, a massive crash in the in the main race out of third place and he looked really croggy walking walking off the track. So yeah, it's been a little bit down in the household after the crash, but I'm sure he'll be okay and um, keep an eye on our socials. We'll shake ourselves up now. We sure Brad is fine, but yeah, just keep an eye on our socials. We'll give you any updates. Nike, something that I've totted down that I wanted to chat to you about, and we've mentioned this on this podcast before and it's not really something to do with the German race specifically but more with MotoGP in general. Over the weekend, I saw, I think it's Jack Appleyard is the gentleman's name from MotoGP, walking up and down pit lane uh, after qualifying, and he chatted to Brad, and he chatted to one or two other riders, Calistino VAT and one or two other guys. Pit lane walks is something that we often see in F1, and I know F1 is kind of a swear word in this house, but we are going to address this issue today. We need the Netflix effect. So what is the Netflix effect? My opinion Shortly, briefly, is that what Netflix have done is when they created Drive to Survive, when they created Drive to Survive, they created a storyline for every single person on the grid. Every person, every team, every team manager has a story and a personality behind it. It's not just another person riding in 12th and 13th place. The Drive to Survive series explained why finishing in 12th is important, or what type of money is involved. They created a backstory for each and every character, and then the people invested in the character, and that led to Formula One getting more viewers. It's the old thing where we see major, major companies not succeeding on social media because Social media, Netflix, all this stuff lately is designed to entertain. And people are not doing stuff to entertain. So at this stage, you can't just push your product, which is MotoGP and MotoGP Live, which is, in my opinion, ridiculously expensive. You need to entertain the people. You need to create backstories. You need to give Fabio de Gian Antonio a story. And if we look at him on a Sunday, we need to understand why finishing 12th is important for him because he had a fight with the Ducati management and his rides on the line. That's what they did very, very well, is creating personalities and making people fall in love with personalities and storylines. The, the fact that people are now watching F1 is an after effect of creating personalities and storylines. Do you see it differently? What do you think they did right with Drive to Survive? Yeah, I have to agree with you. It's good seeing the background and like you mentioned, all the MotoGP platforms there's some subscription that you need to pay for and all that. So the information's kind of blocked off to the viewers and so forth. Even if you try and just get any background stories or any news, it's very like closed off and it's very, there's not a lot of news on the riders and there's not a lot of information that you can find 
it's hard to actually get any background on MotoGP if you're just starting off to follow it and follow the characters and so forth. So if you're not paying for the information, then it's not open to you, which, you know, is kind of, I think it's going to push a lot of viewers away. I agree with you differently. And we have mentioned before that the MotoGP pass or whatever it's called, it's, it's really expensive for South Africans. If you look on, on the exchange rate, that is someone's salary for a month in this country. If you pay that to watch MotoGP is, is, is a little bit ridiculous. The other thing that I saw is that F1 is doing very, very well. They're letting social media influencers and all those cringy people that, that Martin guy find on the grid, they let them into the garage to take videos and photos and stuff. So they're creating a whole entertainment regarding it where the, the main product, which is actually racing, isn't focused on storylines are focused on so yeah i think if we want to go that route in motor gp that's fine but i think that there's two big objectives in my in my opinion that's blocking it from going that route the first the first objection is motorcycle culture and the people who follow motor gp notoriously the vr46 fans that went to Mugello every year i don't know if all of them want motor gp to go that commercial route Yes, it would be good because you'll see an influx of money and TV deals and, 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 and. But I think MotoGP kind of has a cult following and it's difficult for that cult following to, to commercialize their favorite hobby and stuff like that. And the other thing that's really difficult compared to F1, if you want to do straight line comparisons, is there's a lot of Italian and Spanish speaking riders on the MotoGP grid. And the translation, often we see these lost in translation and then these guys' words get taken out of context. So they prefer to speak their own language. They prefer to speak Italian or Spanish, which then creates a thing where people have to read if they watch a documentary. We saw it with the Amazon documentary. And unfortunately, in a, in a world where everything is dumbed down and lazy, a lot of people don't want to read. They just want it as easy as possible. So it creates a little bit of a difficulty. But I don't know, Dorna, if they're going in that direction, that's just a little bit of a... A brain fart I had during the week. I was falling into the weekend then and some recap from the weekend's action at the Saxon Ring in Germany. The sprint race, we're going to start with the sprint race. The big drama or the big action in the sprint race was actually between 4th, 5th and 6th, which was Luca Marini, Brad Binder and Joan Zarco. Luca Marini did an absolutely stunning job of keeping Brad Binder out. And on the second last or on the 11th turn, coming down into the waterfall, Brad Binder went on the tight line and, and Zarka just pushed it right by him. There was a little bit of contact and um, there was, uh, for a moment there, they, they investigated the, the issue. But I have to say, initially the South African in me shouted penalty, 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 but then I realized that I'm a hypocrite because I have been advocating for this stop the penalty shit and rubbing is racing. So I can't have that opinion when it goes the other way, but when it's against Brad Binder, I want to change my mind. So... At the end of the day, when I calmed down, I had a look at it and I realized that, that that's the type of racing that we want and I'm glad they didn't get penalized. What what did you think of that little incident? Last week when it happened to Brad, it was penalized and this week when it happened against him, nothing happened. So it's very inconsistent. So I'm not sure how they can go forward with fixing that inconsistency. I have to agree with you. That is the main problem and like I said, I kind of accepted not, not having a penalty with Zorka, but last week with Alex Marcus, Brand was penalized. So I'm thinking what everybody's just asking, and, and Nike, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, just consistency, guys. Just 
well, you know what should maybe happen? Tell me what you think. Don't you think they should be, after every race, they should have a media session with Freddie Spencer, which is the main steward or the main cockadeur, whatever you want to call him, where he explains how he got to certain penalties? Surely accountability is the answer. Do you think that will work if they have like a media session with him where he explains why he gave certain penalties and certain penalties that wasn't given? What do you think? Yeah, I think that'd be helpful because at this point in time, everyone's just waiting to see what the after decision was and the crowd and viewers aren't really involved in the decision-making process. Not that I'm saying they should have an opinion, but we should just see that things are being picked up and questioned and how their process works. 100% accountability in this is, is key. I agree with you. So yeah, guys, the Brad Binder incident happened. It was a Ducati lockout on the podium. It was Martin Benyaya Miller. Happy to see old Jack on the on the podium there. I don't know if you guys saw, if you didn't check out our socials. Last week, when that rocket KTM came off the line past Benyaya, you just saw uh, Miller just putting up the V for Viva Miller as he was passing Pekka and I have to say, as a shit housing or a meme or a fun podcast, we really enjoy that type of content. We enjoy that type of stuff. Please, Jack, keep it up. Something else I picked up on Nike, and you're not maybe going to be too happy with me, eh? because he is your, your best friend. Inaya Bassunini is currently the second Ducati rider on the factory Ducati. And yes, we know he's been injured, and this is, his, I think, his second race back. But how long do you think it's going to take before doubt starts creeping in and they start talking about Martin moving into that factory seat. It's the seat that everybody wants. It's the same bike as Pekka Benyaya. It's the same factory support as Pekka Benyaya. Do you think uh, Bastianini is, is under pressure? Because surely Ducati can't be happy with him running in 9th, 10th, 11th with the, the rest of the mid-back specialist Fabio and Mark. That's the best bike on the grid. Surely he should be fighting closer or am I being a little bit unfair towards uh, Inaya? in asking him to recover from the injury so quickly and, and fight in the front. What do you think? Well, this is his first year and he couldn't predict an injury in that fault. So I'm thinking if they're going to be fair, you know, to give him time to recover properly and then see what he does from there on. But yeah, Ducati is very much on the hunger strike. So I won't be surprised if he's out and Jorge is in in the next season. Yeah, you're right. It seems that the sport is pretty ruthless performance goes and I'm sure Ducati's kind of mad at themselves or choosing an A at this point but I also have to feel for the guy he is injured so let's hope Ducati do the right thing and just give him a little bit of a breather and give him time to just catch his breath and, and fight his way back to the front because we know he's a very smooth rider he's got a smooth style he's very good at preserving tyre and and making that tyre last till late in the uh, late in the race. So hopefully not being kicked yet because I don't know if he's going to go to a Pramac squad then or other Ducati squad. Who knows? Ducati's ruthless or the MotoGP paddock is ruthless. So you never know. Within Naya and Maverick in the mid-pack currently, we see guys like Fabio and Mark, uh, Mark Marquez as well. Mark actually driving around mid-pack for the first time in the sprint race on Saturday. And that really raises the questions regarding Japanese manufacturers, uh, Honda and Yamaha. It seems like they've really fallen behind a long way in the development of bikes, and which is really, really sad because if you look back at MotoGP history, Valentino Rossi, Casey Stoner, well, Casey was on a Ducati, but Valentino Rossi, Jorge Lorenzo, Danny Pedrosa, all these aliens, most of the world championships 
came from these Japanese bikes. They used to dominate the sport. And now it seems like they've just fallen behind. Unfortunately, with the world economy as it is, I can't see that Honda and Yamaha is going to keep throwing billions of dollars into this. I hope they do, but it's really making me nervous. I'm thinking that a pullout from Yamaha and Honda is, is much closer than anybody realizes. So yeah, it's really difficult. Well, when I think about Honda and Yamaha, I think about motocross and not MotoGP. So I don't know, I just, it might just be the fact that Ducati is just more advanced in their aerodynamics and, you know, the capital that they get to getting the best of the best teams developing their bikes. And they're just, you know, so much ahead of their field that the old school bikes just can't keep up anymore. I have to agree with you. It's With the current set of rules, I think it's very difficult for them to catch up and aerodynamics as a matter thing to do with it. Ducati and, and Aprilia and KTM have really done well with the aerodynamics and it's making a massive, massive impact. It's difficult to watch though because this Ducati dominance is it's really also not good for the sport and it, it's difficult because you look at think today in the main race, the one to eight was Ducati. How long before that gets boring? How long before people decide, okay, well, we can't compete and if you're not on a Ducati, you, you're not winning. Can it really be a world championship if you know there's better riders on other motorcycles but they're just unlucky to not get a Ducati seat? Do you think it will ever go in the route of where they all get equal equipment and they should go into partnership with a Ducati or someone to just develop all the bikes and they just raise the same bikes because surely then they can really crown a world champion? Yes, I don't think that KTM and... Yamaha and Honda and that will just wave their white flags and just give up so easily for Ducati to be dominant. I think they are putting a lot of capital to be competitive in the market. But I mean, you never know. Ducati could come in and have a big beneficiary. Let's say someone from Dubai that pushes a lot of capital in them and they just purchase all the other MotoGP companies like KTM. Never say never. I mean, what happened with the Golf, with the Love buying out the PGA. Yeah, you should never say never. It seems like the, the guys there from the UAE, from the Middle East, have the capital to do amazing stuff. Talking money way beyond any of our comp comprehension, yeah. But yeah, it's never impossible. Nike, let's chat about the main race a little. The main race was pretty interesting. We saw what we see every week. The KTMs blitzing off the line. They're obviously doing something right with that clutch or something because those bikes just absolutely zip off the line. Jack going into first and then holding first place for about 11 corners and then Brad shooting from 9th on the grid or 8th on the grid to 5th. So yeah, it started really well. Immediately you could see that Becca Bengaya and Martin had a little bit too much pace for Miller and they swallowed Miller the first time they went down the waterfall there. I have to say it did look like Miller had a little bit of a re-attraction re problem but yeah, they swallowed him straight up and they passed him. Not long after that, Marini and Brad Binder also passed uh, Miller and he fell down into the order. I have to say Brad did a very good job in uh, hanging onto the back of Marini and then passing him. So yeah, that was one, two, three for a long stage of the race and uh, Martin and Bengaya Fired, I think it was about three seconds, and then Binder in third. Unfortunately, Brad, I don't know what happened. Like I said, at the state of recording this podcast, unfortunately, we haven't 
heard anything from Brad or whether he's okay or what happened, um, but he only lost it and came down the water and he bended into that left-hander. So um, hopefully he's okay. Zarko then, in the meantime, had passed on Marini and Zarko came into third. And if I'm correct, this is exactly, except for one and two changing around, this is exactly the podium we saw last week so uh, these gp23 ducatis really are on another level i have to give it to jorge martin though he did really really well he ran out in front with it bagnaya came back and caught him and they got into a proper deal then actually touched the wheels for a moment and i think it was a really really good race but it is a two-horse race jorge martin is definitely in the title race now he is showing ducati that they should have chose him and i'm hoping it continues with the young man because it will be really boring to see Pekka Bignana just run away with this championship. Yeah, it's really exciting just to see someone else just take the first podium then Pekka because, as you said, Ducati dominance is kind of becoming very predictable, if I can say it in that way. So it's exciting to see someone else challenging him and just bringing the excitement back to the racing. Yeah, even though it is the other Ducati, but it's just fun seeing guys like fight it out. That was one of the closest or the second, officially the second closest finish to a MotoGP race as yet. So yeah, it was a, it was actually a nice race to watch. But in general, I have to say, the old thing where they said it's difficult to pass on the Saxon ring, except for the Mark Marquez escapades, if it wasn't for him this weekend, if he was out injured or something, it would have been a very dull straightforward weekend it's not a Lamar or Mugello in my opinion but yeah God could blame in a few weeks we're going to sit without any MotoGP and then we're going to wish we had something like Saxon Ring to watch so I might sound like a hypocrite but I think it is kind of a much more boring race to watch without Mark Marquez in because without him the excitement's left when he left the race because it wasn't the same race that we've been watching and the excitement level for me wasn't there. So I guess in that way, I'm a hypocrite. Yeah, he does bring the entertainment, doesn't he? And something I, I wanted to mention, but I, I forgot about it. I saw on Twitter, on our socials on Twitter, there's a lot of people that's really going to the extreme here and when more crashes, they're like, yep, yeah, or making like horrible comments. If you look at Matt Oxley's... Um, twitter you'll see him posting one to twice about this guys we've made jokes on this program about people hopefully falling and to keep the title chase interesting which are all just that it's a joke we never ever intend for anybody to fall off a motorcycle because there's always a chance to get hurt and yes we do like fooling around on the internet but uh, we also don't condemn this where people actually celebrate when, when Mark falls off. Before a racer, he is a human being, so we need to try and remember that. And yeah, it seems like the Twitter trolls got to me this week. But yeah, it's a little bit difficult to see people actually celebrating Mark falling off. A little bit disgusting in my eyes, but guys, let's just hope he's fit and healthy because he does bring a massive amount of entertainment value to this to the sport we all love. Ruse and Betty's, we now get to... My favorite segment of the podcast, where I get you not mumble straight for a few minutes, and it's Shanae's turn. It's called Shanae's Pick of the Week, and this week she has chosen not with her head, but with her heart, and I think it's Jorge Martin. Nike? Um, yes, it is. So for the first fact that I have about him, so as you've watched his social medias, you'll see that his pet dog, Koala, is very much present. So she is a beagle. She is a she and she has her own Instagram account. So her name came from Kuala Lumpur, the city, the capital city of Malaysia, where Martin became 
Moto3 World Champion. Then also, so with MotoGP, he's also a very talented snowboarder. So he does, you know, ride on the slopes regularly as much as he can, probably on his off seasons. Yeah, so if motorcycle racing wasn't in the cards for him, he would have pursued martial arts or been the next Rafael Nadal on the tennis court. Another fun fact about him is during COVID-19, when everyone had a lot of spare time to themselves, uh, he actually pursued studying, then he studied um, nutrition because for him it's very important as a sportsman to know what to eat and why and just living healthier or healthy as much as possible. That seems to be a general trend that we're picking up, that nutrition is obviously very important for these guys. I know they weigh about the same as a left leg of a real South African burkey, so I can imagine it closely gets monitored what they eat. But yeah, thank you so much, Nike. Very informative, fun session on Jorge Martin. Guys, again, thank you for everything. Another week, another podcast. We look forward to Essen. So we'll see you guys soon and thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please, guys, we've we've got a notification from the Spotify team that it's that it's crucial for our podcast to start getting ratings. Even if you think we're absolutely trash ratings, rating, give us a one star. If you guys do love us, give us five stars. We'd really appreciate it. That's it for the week. Thanks, Nay. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for another informative podcast. We have to mention that we detected an increased heart rate from Shanae when mentioning Jorge Martin. Calm down there, Shanae. You have the genuine alpha male right in front of you. Caleb out. Ooh.